Arsenal Instinct. And Michelle McKeithney is going to be my guest, very first guest. I hope you're proud. I'm proud. And this is also my very first experience of doing this. Oh, really? Like this. Okay. Um, so I guess we're both virgins today. I guess so. And now that it's started, we're not? We're not. Okay. Well. All right, we've begun. Rot <laughs> as fuck, you said. There you go. Okay. So the way we're going to do this is I'm not. I don't have really any questions planned out for you. We're just going to bullshit and see what we can come up with for the next I don't know half hour or so. You know, I've known you for a, a little bit, so we kind of know each other and uh, we've had some conversations before. But yeah, so those ones we can't talk about. No, 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 no. <laughs> so basically, so what I want to do with this podcast is I kind of want to start talking to. Uh, ex-first responders or current first responders who have opened up a business and are um, successful doing that. Um, as you know, these people don't know, but I was an ex-police officer, um, got PTSD for, from a call that I went on, um, had a big fight with uh, workers' compensation and decided to open my business. So this is where Arsenal Canine came into play. Um, and you notice as well as I do, there's struggles every day with all that. Uh, PTSD and, and uh, trauma and stuff like that. So um, we're, we're both going to get pretty emotional if we keep talking about just the PTSD stuff. So um, I kind of want to get into what your story is um, as much as you want to talk about um, and then where you're going and what's what's on the horizon. Yeah. Well, you know what? The first thing that I admire is your openness and your willingness to be able to share, you know, your you're coming out, if you will. We always, <laughs> we call it out and proud yeah. once people receive their diagnosis or accept that, you know, that they have been diagnosed yeah. with an operational stress injury or PTSD, if you will. Um, so the th- the first thing, I mean, our years training, you know, getting to meet you, we never really covered that. Like in the, in the year that we were both at the same gym, mm-hmm. you were doing your thing, I was training for powerlifting and it was just one of those things that we didn't talk about yeah. until one day I told you what I wanted to do and then all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh like I yeah. I have PTSD I've been diagnosed yeah. and then we just kind of started talking about other things yeah and the really weird thing is that at that time um, I had been reached out to by a UK vet who had emigrated to Canada I had some experience um, with his mental health and needed assistance right away and ended up being hospitalized in Regina and noticed that there was a number of first responders that were coming, veterans as well, which is what he was, and they wanted just to talk about things that they all understood that maybe the the other citizens or the other um, patients didn't quite understand because yeah. it's, a, it's a different world. Totally different world. And, you know, that's why... You know, it's kind of why I wanted to be open with it. Um, yeah. I spent a lot of years, like, um, I don't know, almost being ashamed, you know what I mean? Um, because in the policing world, everything is like, oh, you got to suck it up, be a man, you know, don't be a pussy, you know, all that stuff, right? So um, I'm finding that now that, uh, you know, like I said, I kept it closed for a long time, um, and now I'm kind of taking that as, uh, you know, bring, coming out more of it, and it's just, it's starting to help me you know, process things a little bit better. And I kind of want to be like, not, I wouldn't say an inspiration, but I wanted to show that there's hope for, um, you know, people who've gone through this kind of stuff and that they, you know, you can go on and do more things. 
Absolutely, and that's what you are doing. You know, like going back to our our basic conversations, our beginning conversations. I was already, you know, basically sharing it with the world, saying, hey, this is what I have. This is how it is. I need other people to kind of be part of this so that I can get help as well Mm because there's just no resources back, you know, at that time. Right. And so for me, coming from a corrections background, um, I, I just felt really isolated and, and not supported. And, and so I shut it down. I just focused on what to do and get get back to work type thing and, and really not deal with it until it manifested in other ways. And, and we can share about that later. But um, going back to this gentleman, I remember in 2015, he had asked me, and I was training at the time, and I got to know you. And he had asked me if we, if we, us, anybody could start peer support in Prince Albert. And mm-hmm. it was like, hey, Jay, do you think this would go over? You know, do you think that something like this would be a good thing? And um, so right at the very grassroots level, the very boots to the ground, it was your boots and my boots that, that basically started, you know, getting that okay conversation approved, mm-hmm. if you will. And, and peer support had started here in the city then. And now our group um, basically has been reformed since those days and uh, changed around. And the whole group is called What's Important Now, and it's the WIN group. Mm -hmm. And really our focus is to help people to uh, be able to stay in the moment and just focus on when what is important at this exact moment of whatever they're feeling and just to try to stay present because most of us coped in different ways and and you know I've watched a lot of guys and ladies come through my peer support groups now since 2016 that are on their second third marriages because yeah. the fight or flight is still happening yeah so I know personally I went through it my my whole story is don't be like me yeah. in any speaking thing that I've ever talked about it's always don't be like me I didn't deal with my stuff at the very onset so I accrued more trauma and more trauma I was assaulted at my workplace by an inmate who didn't want to hurt me but wanted to hurt my supervisor. I jumped in um, as I was supposed to or responded with my partner. We were short-staffed that day. A lot of dynamics going on in the building and I had stayed beyond my 12-hour shift. And um, the inmate received some bad news. We were escorting her back to her unit and... um, she became combative and there was a lot of posturing that needed to go on and uh, she just became absolutely unruly and um, very very aggressive and it was just sudden and in, just intense and I had long hair then and I wore my hair down that day which I've never I never did um, and it was also April 1st so it was like I'd already lived through the whole morning of April Fools. Now I'm in the freaking afternoon yeah. slash evening, and this inmate wrapped her ha- head in, her hand in the back of my head, in my hair, and we were tight, like we were locked. We I couldn't break away, and so what ended up happening is I remember being bent over at the hip and looking, and I could see staff's shiny boots, one pair of boots. And they weren't coming towards us to help us. And I just remember yelling at that particular staff and yelling at the inmate, continuing to use our, you know, our training, our dynamics security and our static security and, you know, trying to get myself free. And all the time I'm seeing these boots and they're not moving to help us. 
and that was my accumulating event really yeah. you know that was the start of it it was like um the lack of trust in someone who was supposed to be there to help me yeah and it broke my faith in humans really and that's when i officially got diagnosed with with ptsd um or as i refer to it correctly following the um the verbiage that i know is the operational stress injury mm-hmm. so i had multiple <laughs> physical injuries yeah uh, dislocated hip, my hands, I'll never be a hand model again. No, I never was. Um, but that career is over. Yeah. Um, lots of different kinds of physical injuries that had to get taken care of. But what I didn't do is take the time to deal with my operational stress injury. I went and did my mandatory counseling sessions yeah. and then uh, fought myself to get back to work somehow quickly. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what? It, it sucks it's, you're in so much of a rush to get back because like that's for me, anyways, that was all I knew. Um, I'm not. I may, I may applaud you for talking about it. I, I'm not ready to talk about the incident, especially to a group of people I don't really know. It's really yeah. still a little bit um, like I just kind of hold it off for people that I really know. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that was a thing for me too. Like I I sought out help from our um, critical incident stress team right off the bat, and uh, yeah, I was blown off. <laughs> so I think that that incident almost made it tenfold right that I wasn't important enough to you know my feelings didn't didn't matter like if you don't you can't even go back and you know help me out and you know when you're supposed to be there to help your officers right yeah. so um that was that's what I mean like I, I totally see you're coming lost trust in humans and um especially you know people that are supposed to be your brothers brothers and sisters right um so that's like give me put a bad taste on mouth for a long time do you know uh, what that's called Nowadays, when it's referred to, it's actually a documented trauma. Hmm. And that is that is at the very core, sanctuary trauma. What happened to you? What happens to others? It develops a moral injury, hmm. and it's called sanctuary trauma, where we, um, the people that are that we entrust in to support us in case these things happen, yeah. have now taken a different approach, and you are seen in a different light. And there is no time for proper debriefings. It's it's viewed to us as not worthy or not important. But um, that's how we view it. And we have nothing but time while we're healing from our PTSD, our yeah. operational stress injury, to remember those things. Yeah. And sometimes, um, just now learning more about it and understanding it from not only police officers, but corrections and fire and volunteer fire departments, that is worse than the actual accumulating event that led to the diagnosis of PTSD (laughs) is how the other how our colleagues and our fears or the conversations or the a lot of people have said to me Michelle I just need to get back to work so I can stop people from talking about me I felt that too right yeah even still they still talk about me now like I, I have a hard time uh, dealing with um, you know police and police dogs and stuff like that now because it, the, there's a rumor or whatever going around that I fake my PTSD and I, I used WCB to start my business, which is bullshit. Like, I mean, every time I hear that, it just like it aggravates me and it kind of sets me back a little bit. But then I I gotta think, you know, kind of you know, why I'm actually I gotta you know you gotta understand the real reasons why it's all and absolutely stick with yourself and not worry about what others. But wouldn't it be perfect just to say that because of the job that you chose and because of an incident that happened as a result of your job 
that's enough. Yeah. Why does it have to be a, well, I've been to several of those calls and none yeah. of that happened to me. Well, you know what? Well done. Yeah. But, sir, the fact of it is, and I usually give them the Mama Michelle talk, because it's reality, because I don't have any time for bullshit. <laughs> um, and nobody, nobody told me factually or straight up. There's a lot of flowery words that are used and a lot of cajoling and, and, um, and not a lot of real valid insight coming from people who actually been there and fucking get it. Yep. So I, I sought out to be that person for people to end their sorrow and suffering to say, listen, WCB is a process and you need to do the process properly. And so here's some steps that we have learned through the people that come to our peer support group of how to handle a mental health claim with WCB. Yeah. And we'll be there to assist you. Wow. You know, lots of people are filling out the paperwork. Not only have you suffered the injury that happened at your job doing shit that nobody else ever signed up for, right? Mm -hmm. And then now you've got to fill out a mountain of paperwork, see a number of people that you've never known would never be in your life, mm -hmm. but now you've got to pour out all your stuff. Yeah. In order to be seen as, hmm, is this from work? Is this not from work? Yeah. Really? Why? Is it, is it really that? Or is it accumulation? Or is it one incident? Or, right. Yeah. And so, first of all, no one fucking wants this operational stress injury diagnosed. Nobody wants to pass the test, if you will, yeah. to say you have PTSD. Um, that's, that's enough of a kick in the nuts for a guy and a stab in the heart for a woman to ever have to receive that news, first mm -hmm. of all. And when you are alone and, un and misunderstood and not supported by the colleagues that you thought you had yeah. as brothers and sisters, where the hell do you go with this? Yeah, you know, I, I, I wish there was something like what you are starting with, kind of get into that in a little bit, but when I was going through all this, because there was... <laughs> You know, I wasn't a big drinker before, but going through this whole process, I was downing like bottles and bottles of, of alcohol every night. Oh my God, you're the only one I've ever heard about. Yeah, right. And then uh, I don't know how many times I brought my gun home and it was against my head, right? Because yeah. you don't know who to turn to. Um, so yeah. It's and just, you don't like, like the person in the mirror. And you don't like, yeah, exactly. So there's, I mean, I was lucky. I made a phone call to, to one person, a good friend of mine. She, she showed up right away. So um, yeah. that was probably the closest time that I, you know, was... <laughs> almost not going to be around but um you know it's you have to have those people around that are uh going to help you out but um anyways so your background tell me a bit about your background and why and what uh what this is all about river valley resilience retreat so i know what you just did there and yeah, it's yeah, okay and so we're just gonna <laughs> let it pause yeah, for, right. for for a minute yeah, we'll but you back. know what i appreciate your your honesty and, yep. and that's when those things come up absolutely sit in it it's uncomfortable as shit but just sit in it and go you know what just by feeling it and expressing it i'm i'm okay yeah i'm okay scooter but yeah so you have a background so so my background is in social work and so i started in corrections 100 years ago when you needed to have a degree in social work or psychology okay and nowadays uh, the joke is is that same with all first responders and a lot of frontline staff some some of the occupations you might just need a pulse because we, we don't have a whole lot of, you know, recruits and resources or extra people volunteering to do the shitty jobs that, that these are being known for. So it, it basically, um, when I 
<clears throat> experience my, my experiences and corrections. Mm-hmm. I was already a mental health therapist working up north and doing First Nations community jobs, and I had a private practice, and and all while still working at at the at the Pine Grove. And um, basically, when I got sick or hurt, I realized that there was nothing. And so, fast forward, I meet you. Yep. Uh, find, now. Yeah, I find <laughs> others that are like at the gym because you're forced to go when you're on WCB to go work out in, yeah. in a place in a gym even though you may have a fear of being around other people or some of the programming um, suggestions are not quite conducive to what we need for mental health care but yeah. that's okay we're getting there um, so it was just basically a conversation and found a whole bunch of people that were suffering at home and suffering alone yeah and we started out at Little Red and uh, out at the Cosmo Lodge there, and all of a sudden people were showing up every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to town to Cornerstone Methodist Church, and here we are six years later, and um, we are still meeting, and people are still showing up. And wouldn't you know that PTSD and operational stress injury can be managed, and that's yeah. what these people are, are learning at peer support, They're, that are not alone. Yeah. That that that's what we have. So, by virtue of that, I met one of the city firefighters who I always say is out and proud as well. And <laughs> yeah. in our discussions, I, I that's how I learned about Jeff Reeder was that there was a Prince Albert City firefighter who had been diagnosed with PTSD and worked very hard on getting himself back to work. So I was like, oh my god, just kind of like when I met you. Hello, welcome. You know, I had a whole group. I had a correctional officer, you. Yep. Now I have a firefighter. I mean, I'm finding all these people, plus the veterans, <laughs> plus EMS, yeah. plus corrections. I mean, holy crap! Um, no shortage of finding people that no. were diagnosed. Now I just needed them to talk. Yeah. So it's funny because I haven't. You and I have talked about this all the time, and and uh, I know all about it. I still haven't come. Still haven't come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you kind of helped me to find out locations. You made some phone calls. You helped me to sort out all that stuff. I remember in the very beginning, and then yeah, you you've sent people, you've shared the info, but you've never actually <laughs> attended, which yeah. is just fine because sometimes groups um, are not you know the best choice for some people during certain stages of their journey. So, so I met Jeff. We started talking. Um, I started being invited to the fire hall to go and have like coffee breaks and just kind of chit chat with the guys. And then some of the gentlemen um, have been able to reach out to me over the past few years privately and confidentially and just be able to unleash some things that they needed to get rid of and so I could point them in the right direction. And then that's kind of how this was born. It was just all of a sudden I was getting calls from different places that I had been asked to come and speak at or I popped in at and just said, hi, I have PTSD, anybody else? Yeah. You know, but <laughs> nobody puts their hand up. Of course not, no. Right, <laughs> but I'm like, here's my number, you know, like a Sesame Street episode, you know? Yeah. You want to buy a vowel, you know? Yeah. yeah, here's my number, call me when you need to, kind of thing. So um, that's kind of what, what this was. It was like, well, let's, uh, why don't we put together a nonprofit and try to create a space where people can actually go and get respite? Yeah for their operational stress injuries you know because prevention is key had you and i had the right people at the right place a right debriefing the right resources um the proper advocacy the proper support through the wcb process less of a fight to get what we needed to get better would have helped us a long way so our goal then when we created river valley resilience retreat in 2019 was to focus on that to 
um, Jeff had been saved, if you will, because of equine. So he found himself um, talk therapy, psychotherapy, um, medications were not what he needed. That was not what helped him. What helped him was being around horses. And he'd been around horses before, and for some reason it was a completely different experience. Mm. That's what got him healed. Yeah. And that's what put him back together, and that's what continues to work. So our focus was, well, what has worked for you? What is working for others? And let's make a peer-based experience by what works for you. Share with others. They might like that. So anyway, I was saying... uh, Tour up Twitch. Just kidding. It's broken. Broken (laughs) (laughs) That'd be nice. First one. Uh, (laughs) So anyway, so uh, like I said, someone comes to you, I need help. Um, What do I do with this retreat? How do I get started? What kind of stuff do you offer? Well, first of all, it's um, the word retreat. It, it, it kind of started off as a play on R&R. Yeah. So, you know, we wanted people to be able to attend to something that they could, if it was treatment facility, you know, what person's going to sign up? Oh, hi, I'll take that for 1000 No. No. Right? So we needed to kind of do a play on words. So River Valley Resilience Retreat is, is really a, a concept it is an entity right now we are a nonprofit we have donated land that we are not going to be able to pursue our further development plans on for at this okay. time um you know what it's the most beautiful space ever and it brings me such joy yeah and I was there with a group of people two days ago um, and it's magnificent in the winter and it's fun unbelievable in the summer um, however, we do have some NIMBYs around us that have made it absolutely um, unsuitable for us to pursue in order for the safety and sanctity of others to be maintained. Mm. So, so um, people that don't know anything about what's going on? Or, or they know everything. The they know everything. They're just assholes. They, you know what, I really can't, <laughs> I, I, I really wish I had a simple answer for what the problem is. Yeah. Um, I, I really can't, I can't understand it myself. Um, Jeff Frieder and I have gone um, as far as having and being availed to two public meetings, which we received a lot of animosity, some very direct misunderstandings. Um, we sat there and listened to letters upon letters that were written in objection to us to even take space up on this donated land, which is um, maintained by the owners. So the owners have 140 some acres there. They've just let us borrow a little chunk to put up our five tents. Um, And we don't really know why we're causing a problem, but our mere presence has been met with rapid gunfire, a drone, um, excessive noise. Like you're actually talking about actual gunfire and you're not just talking about like rapid gunfire of complaints. No, actual gunfire. Like gun. It's been documented, it's been recorded, Jeez. and we sadly had to start an RCMP file. Oh, boy. Um, we actually, one of your staff members, um, Kendall, her uncle, I believe, or cousin, can't remember how they are connected, but he actually was present along with a couple of other veterans yeah. at a day retreat that we hosted down there and uh, witnessed exactly Jeez. what we were having to give everybody kind of like the, the pre-announcement. As I'm driving them down the hill, or as we welcome them to our summer site, 
I would have to start the conversation or the greeting off by welcome. This is our 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 day retreat spot for River Valley Resilience Retreat. Now, while you're down here, I I must tell you that you may or may not encounter gunfire. You may not or may encounter um, some excessive loud noise disturbances or possibly a drone. And I apologize for all that in, in, in advance, but I will keep you safe as best I can. That's got to be good for people like military veterans and stuff. You know what? I'm so brilliant. I freaking used it as the best exposure therapy training session you could possibly get. Yeah. It was like, so do you have a problem with gunfire? Yes. All right. Good. Let's work this out today. Yeah. It was absolutely obnoxious, volatile as fuck, and um, I I can talk about it now without my service dog freaking out, because I didn't personalize any of it. It is all on them for how they feel and what they do. Yeah, because I mean, you can take that as a problem, as an issue, and then like internalize it or make it like an issue for you to not move forward. But that's awesome. You you work through it. You use it to your advantage and. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just that positive thinking and uh, moving, you know, taking opportunities where the usually people we picked the, the right? furthest spot on the donated land adjacent to the river that has no houses, nobody around. It's got a part-time uh, shack, if you will, that has some neighbors that um, also reside there, but only in the summer months. Mm-hmm. We were never allowed. We didn't let anybody ever stay there except the landowners allowed um, the gentleman that I spoke to yeah. before, um, my firefighter from the Humboldt crash. Yeah. He found and sought solace at this place right from day one. Hmm. And so we actually had our peer support nights out there on Sundays. Oh, nice. And so we experienced a lot of fun things on those nights as well, which were documented by people in our group. Yeah. Um, well, so you guys were partying and like listening to loud music or no, no big bonfires and everyone's circling around. No, nothing. No, like there that. was nothing. <laughs> I mean, there was no hooting hollers. There was a lot of Kleenex and uh, people crying yeah. and maybe people laughing, but that is the most noise that we created. Mm. And so this gentleman still decided he wanted to stay there because he got to know the landowners really well and and they accepted him for where he's at and, and how he is. So. He stayed there, uh, I think we had five tents. His goal over the summer was to sleep in each one of the tents um, all throughout the entire season, and he did accomplish that. So he let us know of some of the evening things that you know were transpiring as well. So right now it's perfect. I have a giant military tent donated by another organization called Hoggins Veterans Ranch from Alberta. Okay. They have kind of taken us under their arm and just said, listen, we get you, we, we know the hustle, we know the hassle. And uh, we also know about, you know, how to deal with unruly neighbors. So they just encourage us to continue to utilize the land that's been donated and not, you know, pursue anything further in terms of, you know, what we would want to to build there to make it more hospitable for our veterans and our first responders. So right now we're operating out of a military tent. Uh, This past Saturday, we were asked to create a day retreat for the provincial and federal staff of the Murdered Missing Women Indigenous um, group. So these are the frontline ladies who assist the families um, in their times of crisis. So we were asked to provide them a respite day. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Um, It was a phenomenal day. 
it, it only happened like what two days ago and I am still just emotional and um, emotional and, and knowing and inspired still that nothing happened that day there was no gunfire you can't really get to us in the winter yep. so yay for us <laughs> um, but you know what just the stuff that we heard that we shared that we were able to give them in our heated military tent and our outside fire with the surroundings that we had and the people we put in place as our team mm -hmm. that was impactful and uh, we we made a difference that day nice. and so not just for first responders this no because first responders to us are first responders are are all public um, safety personnel but our demographic for river valley also includes tow operators it includes crisis staff it includes um, funeral staff it includes um, mine uh, SISM teams and, and you know um, critical response teams mm -hmm. because they go through a lot same with on reserve um, so our demographic is all those who serve the public, really, yeah. and, um, and, and these others. So this weekend, those were frontline staff. They're the ones that take the phone calls with the families that are experiencing, you know, the loss or the, their missing or their mm -hmm. murdered um, loved one. And so heavy, heavy, heavy work. Yeah. And so to be able to give these ladies um, tools to take home, um, and just a really kind of fun day out in the land was just, it was absolutely awesome. So we know wherever we go, wherever we are, the concept of what River Valley Resilience Retreat, staying peer focused, staying professional and confidential and empathic and knowledgeable is the key. So yeah. when you ask me in this long winded explanation of what do we do and what do we provide, we provide on, we provide one on one or group peer support. Okay. We provide advocacy, so you come to our group, and we. I usually start at the head to toe. Do you have a doctor? And if the guy or the lady in my peer group says, no, I don't, or the people who call us for help, okay, let's get you set up with the doctor. We need to have a full examination, make sure that there's nothing medical that may be interfering with your emotional status right now. Mm -hmm. um, a, unattended thyroid can, for a male or a female, especially type A personality and from a first responder demographic is highly undiagnosed and it is a crucial element to our fight or flight or how we process things so if your thyroid's under out of control and you don't realize it then you lack the ability to be able to handle a lot of the emotional things okay so first things first it's about making sure people have a doctor making sure that they're developing a team yep. so we part, we're part of the team now but now we need to get you will be the advocate but now you're going to drive your bus and we're going to help you with some of the things that you're about to encounter. And so some of the people that show up on Sundays, literally their spouses have, you know, opened up the door and pushed them out in the parking lot and they come in and they're like, how'd you get here? My wife dropped me off, made me come. <laughs> or, you know, my husband made me come. Yeah. And uh, then we're like, okay, well, that's great. They need an hour away yeah. from you. And uh, what are you bringing? And so then people get to share. And so it's finding, it, it's creating that advocacy where, whereabouts are you on your journey? Are you just about to start the WC process? Do you have an EAP plan? Um, do you need a psychologist or psychiatrist? Here are some vetted ones that we already know, understand our, our world. Yep. And so it's kind of taken, eliminating all the layers of the crap and the bureaucracy and the paperwork and the bullshit so that people can get back to getting better.
and preventing the next incident to happen. And if we don't treat it that way operationally, I mean, you as a cop, well, yeah. I mean, you knew what to do operationally, but emotionally you were thrown into a tailspin and there was nobody there to go, hey, this is what you're gonna do for your mental health. And that's what we're saying. It's it should be the same. Yeah. Okay, so how? So in saying that, how does that like? How did this that um, transcribe into what you're doing and how you started it? So how did you kind of sort things out um, in your head starting this the, the your nonprofit? Like uh, I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to ask you, but um, of course there's ups and downs and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. How did you deal with the bad days? How did you? deal with some of the letdowns that came, um, what, uh, you know, basically being a manager or running a, a business, this is basically what it is, is a business, a non-profit business, but um, how did you go about running a business with your stress injury? Like, how, how did you find that? I think that that's kind of the neat thing about when you get your head out of your ass and you realize that you're not the be and end all of everything and you start to remove the ego which you needed your ego to help you through the healing Mm -hmm. of something you didn't understand when you get to a place where it's like okay i kind of see the big picture now i can ask or include this person because this is what they bring in and that's kind of what it was for jeff and i it was i didn't need to do a lot of this and this and that he's very good at it we found other people within our wheelhouse that are also have these great things that they can do so i can have my normal cycle of doing really really good shitty good shitty good right so it's all yeah it truly is and and it's okay because none of the people that are in my wheelhouse are judge me Mm -hmm. or are judge are judging me right um because i don't judge them and, and now we have this kind of, we have a team, um, we have an amazing board of directors, Ramsey Belisle, a paramedic veteran. Um, he, he brings strength and balance. We have an, uh, another gentleman, um, EMS, or a paramedic, Christopher Garland, who's also a taxidermist, so you can see how he takes out his, yes. his stuff from his working days and into a form of a hobby, and he's amazing at a very well sought out man. Um, so he brings the perspective of, of, of that for us as well. Tara Kennedy Harrison is our board chair. She has tons of business experience. She has been on tons of, of really amazing um, boards, if you will, or boards as executives. So she, and she has a, an empathy to understand. A lot of her friends are first responders. Her daughter is a nurse. So she knows our world and we don't have to explain a lot to her. So she handles all the stuff that I don't want to, I don't need to. And and make sure that it's taken care of and I'm not being taken advantage of. Uh, we have another person. Um, we have uh, a gentleman who takes care of our website right now as a volunteer, used to be a paramedic, also worked in, in uh, counseling others. and. Um, life skills and that kind of thing so he kind of brings a balance of that to us so um, everybody from our photographer um, she's been with us from the very very beginning she um, 
has now shared about her own struggles when she was a correctional officer and then turned to photography so every the person who gives or who makes our little candles for us that we can sell is also a a former first responder everybody in our wheelhouse has a skill and an attribute that allows us to be able to support others even when we don't have this the energy that we that we need to have I don't need to take everybody's stuff on. I can delegate it to others. Yeah. I know, and I think that's like a huge thing. I don't know if it's uh, typical of, of people like us, but um, I, I felt the need when I was doing this is just to take on everything. I needed to do everything. I needed to have that control of everything. And then it wasn't until I started like learning how to delegate and trust other people to take, re- to take action and take responsibility for that kind of stuff is when I started, you know, it was actually like a breath of fresh air, a little bit of relief, right? Like, yeah. oh, this isn't all on me, right? Like, I can't, I, I'm allowed to relax. I'm allowed to chill out a little bit. Um, but it's all the word trust. You didn't trust. Yeah. The only person you trusted was you, and that was even iffy. <laughs> Depends on the day. Yeah. That's right. And mm-hmm. that's the thing. When we're seeing ourselves go with this uh, really weird um, lack of continuity mm-hmm. it's hard to go and take our thoughts on our bad days and go can you just do all that <laughs> yeah. it's harder for us to express what we need other people to do than it is for us just to do what we've been taught and trained from our from the beginning of our careers yeah. suck it up and get the fuck out of it yeah right yeah so we carry that through yeah. our illness and our injury to our next task and we do we're very very good at it we're not going to trust we're going to own it that way it can't go sideways because this has failed us, these people have failed us, and I'm not going to get fucking failed again. Yep. And then all of a sudden our bad days hit, and we're like, fuck, I'm failing myself. Yep. No, you're not. You're actually, this is healing. Yep. And that's what it's about. Yeah. And the days that you are absolutely type A on top, da-da-da-da-da, know that there's going to be a couple more days that are going to be really shitty as hell. Yeah. Because you can't stay at that level, because it's not achievable for anybody. So by allowing yourself to feel what you're feeling... And sit in that shit. Yeah. That gives you the strength to get through the next day. Yeah. But trusting in other people and picking and choosing, that doesn't mean, you know, you walk out and go, oh my God, I'm here now, everybody come and, you know, take, take, take. Yeah. It's, it's about cherishing those relationships with the people that you trust the small tasks to. Yeah. And allowing yourself to let that go. Mm-hmm. And when they fuck it up or when they succeed, it's okay because it's a learning experience either way. Yeah, and that's what we've had. We've had ups and downs and sideways and the things that I thought were going to be easy no-brainers were met with opposition and weirdness. Yeah. And I, you know, really realized that it's fear, it's fear, it's ignorance, it's more fear. And it often the people that are against me are the ones that are afraid to be found out. <laughs> yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah. It, it's funny, like, I don't know, I think I'm pretty easygoing, but a lot of the guys and the ladies that come to my group say they kind of fear me in a sense that if I super stalk people. You're scary. I am, I am scary. But it's because I don't want people to go through this long illness, freaking bleeding out process yeah. of being alone. So if you ghost me after like a week or two and I haven't heard from anybody and I have uh, probably 47 people I do this to, so I don't want anybody to be really flattered. Um, But if I haven't heard from somebody, then it's like, hey, I'm coming over or, you know, where the fuck are you? Mm -hmm. Because 
10 to 1, you're not doing well and you're not reaching out. And every single person has never failed me because I am so brilliantly smart that it's always been, how did you know I've been struggling for what? You know, why are you struggling? What have we learned? You're supposed to reach out then, reach, you know? Well, I didn't want to bother you. You're not. It's, is it easier to sit in a dirty, shitty diaper pants full of crap than it is to text? Can you change me? Yeah, come change me. I can't change you. Your wife can change you. Your last wife, your mistress, nobody else can change you. It's the person in the fucking mirror that needs to do the changing. Yeah. But the person in the mirror can only change if the system or if the situation is supported. Because yep. that's too scary to get out of our heads, out of ourself, to be able to trust somebody else when we've been failed so many times. So what kind of stuff, like, uh, if you want to get a head start on this, if, if someone's sitting there watching this and they're struggling, um, they, they're not quite ready to take the leap into um, a group class or a group uh, yeah. meeting, stuff like that, is there any books that you would recommend? Is there, like, um, resources online, anything that you can let us know? There are so many resources that we have already vetted. Um, that a lot of people have said, Michelle, this is what, you know, if somebody comes to you from this demographic or going through this experience, that like, this is what I would suggest. And it's, it's often, you know, we've got some amazing Canadian first responders and veterans in the, in the world or in out and about now, if you will, that are willing to share some support where that are willing to share some tips that are willing to have that feedback that I can never keep up with in the whole social media world. Mm -hmm. So I basically, as far as the books, I, I tell people to get on podcasts. So Operation Tango Romeo is one of the best. Mark Meinke has one of the best um, podcasts and shows um, full of tips, full of resources, full of links. And these are real straightforward, honest people that, that attend to his show. And, um, so I have heard a lot of really great results from people who don't do the social media world that log on to the computer and listen to his podcast. And I found some great value. Uh, Dr. Jody Carrington is a hilarious practitioner. She is on Facebook. She's kind of, I've been told that we're a lot similar. I think I'm older than her. But apparently we're both very blunt and we say what we need to say and we, we, you know, escape the bullshit kind of thing and get people triage faster, if you will. Um, but you know what? The first thing that people can do is go onto our site, um, the River Valley Resilience Retreat. Now, how do we reach you? Yeah, Facebook or our website at River Valley Resilience Retreat. Please spell resilience right or you will not find us. Um, but... You can find us on there. You can send me a message or Jeff a message in the in the sections, and we will then do our best to reach back to you and then find out where you're at, what is your need that day, where are you at, and how best can we help you. And then we will sort out where you go from there. Mm -hmm. And so some people, as you said, like do not want to do the peer support group, don't want to be in a group setting, and that is absolutely fine because uh, we have the ability to one-on-one -on -one peer people. So as more people take our peer support training, which we're offering a certification training, yeah. we partnered with an entity from Calgary called Prairies to Peaks. Um, they've been doing this for years, um, certifying peer support people. And I took my training, I think five years ago from them and then did the facilitator training just recently so I could be, you know, okay. do what, mean what I say and say what I mean. Yeah. So it's a mission of Jeff and I to ensure that the people that we are peering up with others yeah. have the same training as we do okay. to be able to assist. So, 
So that so if someone's watching this from I don't know um, anywhere Nova Scotia and they see hey I'm gonna call uh, I'm gonna go online send uh, Michelle a message yeah. are you able to hook them up with someone in their area Yeah what we're doing right now is we are creating a network not only in Canada but in the states as well Okay um, became part of a bigger peer support for first responders it's primarily police and fire in the states right now. Mm-hmm. And so I'm now getting uh, representatives from their entities to reach out so that we do have people to support us. Within Canada, I have never had a problem. Um, I'm helping somebody actually right now from Nova Scotia. So it is kind of weird. Um, it, It is kind of creepy. But I also have veterans and other first responders in some of these places now that I that are in my wheelhouse, if you will. So they take it over. So I, I, I typically, if somebody sends me a message and says, I need to just tell you all this, blah, blah, I usually say, let's just short form that. I'd like you to open up once. Right. Yeah, that's tough to do it more, more, more often. And it's just, yeah. So it's kind of my way of self-care. <clears throat> okay. It's, it's my way of, of knowing that although I have the skills, the tools, and the time, am I going to be the best person to assist this person after they've unloaded all this? Right. So I try to minimize the casualties if you will so i encourage them to just say listen i'm you know i'm suffering with alcohol issues i'm single or my wife has left and i i need a home right now you know so then we can deal with those things first get them stabilized wherever they are and then move into the mental health stuff later but no one's going to be receptive to anything in terms of counseling support or advocacy until they are stable somehow somewhere so it's really a case-by-case thing and we're just volunteers. Like I, um, a lot of IAFF firefighters um, are very brilliant at peer support, and so now they've trusted in us. If they get a phone call on one of their emergency lines in the states, mm-hmm. they will now reach out to us and say, "Hey, somebody from Canada, we had this. Where someone from very far up north contacted an IAFF emergency line, mm-hmm. and that person got directed to me." Wow. Yeah. So it was like, oh. Okay, and it turned out the person just lives, you know, farther than LaRange, but didn't know where to reach out. Oh, that's awesome. So it's getting there. I mean, that's the thing. We just want to be known that we are a safe place, whether it's by phone, internet, texting, talking, um, where if we don't have an answer, we'll help you to find that place that you need to start this. So if if someone's watching this, maybe they don't have PTSD or operational stress injury, um, but they believe in what you're doing. It, like, do you guys accept donations? <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there a place to donate, or, or how do we go about? Like, if I just wanted to give you some money, or you have. Well, I know I, I have, but I need someone else. Maybe someone else needs to. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, we've got some really kind of neat. Uh, what do you call it? How do you say that? The things in the fire. The, I don't know. The forks in the fire, the something in the sure. fire. Something's on fire! I don't know. I call them firefighters. <laughs> the wood's um, in the fire. Something's on fire. We have irons in the fire. Irons, there you go. There, I knew it was something brilliant. Something like um, we have some things going on. Yeah. We have actually found the most amazing location where we won't be harassed by neighbors, where we actually could be secluded, where we actually could be still have nature-based activities, yeah. which is what's important to us. Um, we just need about 450000 in our in order to secure the place yep. um, and then have no mortgage. So ideally, um, the place is for sale. The gentleman has taken it off. He's gone 
uh, way to go and enjoy his winter holiday while we try to figure out what we would like to do. Yeah. Okay. So that is a perfect goal. So if anybody would like to donate, um, we can also provide a charitable receipt through another entity that is assisting us from the same veteran first responder respite world. Okay. So, um, so we can accept donations. Um, just people can contact us on the website because we definitely, or on our Facebook, we would definitely would like to acknowledge every donation. Every single donation we've received is very important to us, and it's very important to Jeff and I that those are acknowledged and supported um, for for the support that they're offering. You know, you did an amazing job. You you and Des and everybody else on your team and, and uh, the studio people, I mean, holy frick, like 2500 bucks plus, like, I mean, you just don't stop. And it's amazing. Well, it's something that's, you know, important to me. So, I mean, to do what we can to, to help out as much as we can. So. But when I can say, you know what, that big guy who owns Arsenal Canine, I can say that guy gets it, understands us, and is still willing to continue to do more to ensure that his brothers and sisters that are up and coming in the police world do not go through what you mm -hmm. went through. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, it was fine for me to be the crazy one, but now that I have other, you know, other people of uh, stature and, um, and proven, mm -hmm. you have proven that no matter what you saw, what you endured, um, may have temporarily fucked up things mm -hmm. in a big way a for you <laughs> yeah. um, but the beauty of that is is that you saw value in not only yourself that you demanded and you fought for yourself to get where you needed to get and often a lot of these entities that you have to fight with are waiting to see how much fight you got in you yeah. and I always refer to you as the one who just continued to be the thorn in the ass because you deserved it. And a lot of people give up on the first set of paperwork, the first no's, the first losing their appeals, the first, you know, harsh letter, wrong word, something, and they just feel it's it's not important anymore. Yeah. The way I looked at it, it wasn't just for me either. I was hoping, because if I was going through that this much shit in it, every, there's so many people that are probably also going through the same shit. Yeah. So if we can start winning, things start changing, right? So that's, uh, that was a big push too. You know, that that's truly it. It's literally letting the people with the power and the decisions and the powerful pens with the magic ink that say yes or no to a lot of different things that don't affect them at all. They need to see the faces and understand that this is who you are saying no to. And so last year when I asked WCB, oh, I was so blessed. Um, I, I I sent a message to um, a person I really respect at WCB and just said, listen, I'm tired of listening to people um, tell me terrible things about WCB. I, I need you to hear it for once because I'm just tired of it. It's exhausting. So will you give these people the time today to make a video to explain to you what the process has felt like from a mental injury? And I encourage this person to receive self-care after he watched the videos because they were raw. Mm -hmm. Your, yours was one. Yeah. And some of the others were really harsh, yeah. but they were true. Yeah. And that was nine people in a room 
for a whole evening that just one after another <laughs> kept saying the same things yeah. and some of them were from 20 years ago yeah. and I'm realizing that there's a lot of us that are jumping into this piece saying how oh, we want to help and we want to change but our own longevity as people as advocates becomes shorter the more we see this so really the, the fighting on to keep fighting the systems is really what individuals like you had to do and hopefully there's more of us as advocates to support those that still that are able to find their voice yeah. because I am tired of going to funerals of people who have killed themselves because of the process that they found themselves in between the moral injury the sanctuary trauma and uh, what is being done to them within the home and in the community is absolutely mm -hmm. intolerable but I also want those people that are my friends you know that makes no sense I guess I wanted the people that were my friends before they committed suicide to also have the strength to fight for everything that they said they were fighting for. They just lost their way. Yeah. And it's those people that I continue this for because they were advocates, they helped, they tried, they got out of their heads, they tried to help others until they couldn't. And I think that no matter how shitty of a day I have, if I stop, the next person will stop and it'll just be one of those back, um, those collisions that happen on highways that are horrific, oh, yeah, those yeah. bumper things. Yeah, pileups. Yeah, like I have a big ass. And that, I mean, that's <laughs> one frick of a pileup when people start piling up behind that thing. Yeah. So, and not in a J-Lo sense or a Beyonce butt. No. Like seriously, just flat and wide. <laughs> And so there's a lot of room for a lot of pileups. Yeah. And I would rather people just drive their buses behind me of their own mental health journey. Because yeah. that's where the empowerment comes. It's like, oh my God, I got, I got a yes. I got a yes. It's like winning. Right? And that's, so for those of you who say, or for those that say, well, this is what you got because of your diagnosis. Well done, Jason. Yeah. Or you well, signed up for this shit. Well done. Yeah, we signed up to go and protect society. We didn't sign up to, you know, be um, discarded yeah. as soon as we were not useful. I have a lot of skills still. I I think. I can't return to my job. I've lost too much sight because I didn't deal with my stuff properly, so I ended up getting a very weird eye disease. Mm -hmm. And I used my time to go back and forth to the States to try to keep my sight. And that's because I didn't deal with my PTSD. So the whole moral of m my story, Michelle's story, is don't be like me then. Yep. Be like me now. Yeah. Drive your bus like the person in the mirror and know that it's okay to not be okay sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Right on. Well, I think this went pretty pretty good. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we sucked. Maybe we sucked. Maybe I, guess, I don't even know if anybody's watching, but... I don't really care because this will go on something else. We'll put it somewhere else. But yeah, it was really good. It's kind of weird that I we don't even remember that there are people there. Yeah, just chatting. Kind cool. of like our our road trip drives, hey? Yeah, kind of. Except we left a few things. <laughs> <laughs> except, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Yes. Right. Well, anyway, like if if uh, anybody anybody wants to reach out uh, to the retreat, contact Michelle, and then you know even if you're not wanting to. 
um, do that sort of stuff yet. I'm also available to reach out to if you really need someone to talk to. So yeah, um, yeah don't suffer it. alone. Exactly. Like, don't be that. You know, I wish they would have reached out. Reach out. Reach out. I'm reaching in. <laughs> so reach out. Yeah. And and that's really what it is. Get the strength to know that you matter, and nobody needs to suffer alone. Yeah. Like we're here. And we may not be. <laughs> I have a service dog, and you have some issues. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and look at we're still we're still doing shit. Yeah. Right. Moving so, forward, one day at a time. Yeah. So nobody needs to be alone. And thank you, Jason. Yeah. Um. I'm, yeah. Just I I use you as an inspiration. I will continue to to praise your name for all that you're doing. And and I'm I am so grateful that you're so stubborn. Because that's what's got you the resilience that you've got so far. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's probably why I'm single right now. Right now, <laughs> uh, you are one hell of a father. Yeah, and you. I love the fact that that is your priority, and and you're establishing with the boys that it's okay to be okay about yeah. this, and that's what's really kind of neat is that that there is no shame with you. You know, it took a while for you to get here. Did, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's, I don't know, it's just beautiful to see how far you've come. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I'm proud of you, brother. You really have. You, you are the real deal. Thank you. And I know you, this is going to help a lot of people. Not maybe this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it will. Maybe not yeah. this particular beginner one. Um, but yeah, you've got some you've got some great tools, so keep giving them out to the universe because holy shit. You're taking over this country by storm. Arsenal came on everywhere. I hope so. Well, that's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> well, keep doing what you're doing because right. you've got a fan right here. Thank oh, and here too. I'm there too. Except he doesn't like me some days. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Love you.